This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 276. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. On the show today, Hazel Alvarado, who helps me out on the show, will handle the interviewing duties. She talks to Kurt Maitland, who is deputy editor of the Whiskey Reviewer website and curator of the Manhattan Whiskey Club. He just wrote a book called Drink, the Ultimate Cocktail Book. He was a previous guest on the show on episode number 188. We will have an Amazon pre-order link for his book, which comes out uh, April 30th, 2019. And we'll keep everyone posted on a book signing party in New York City. We'll also have reviews of the book on bartenderjourney.net from Bartender Journey contributor Benny, who is a professional bartender out in Orange County, California. And we'll also have Hazel's review for a cocktail enthusiast's take on the book few things to let you know about. Chris Reed, who's a bartender at Bar Gatto on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, is he was diagnosed with ALS in 2018, and there's a GoFundMe page link uh, that was set up by his bar team, and we'll have a link to that on bartenderjourney.net. We'll have some links for some other things as well on the website, uh, including Bar Methods, which I was talking about last time, which is a great educational opportunity for you. There's a competition for Karoon Gin uh, from Scotland, and Bar Convent Brooklyn's coming up, so we'll have links for that stuff as well. Tonight is the Whiskey Extravaganza in Brooklyn, if you're listening to this as soon as it comes out, which is April the 11th, 2019. And we have a discount link for you on the website, bartenderjourney.net. And you can go visit Hazel. She'll be serving samples of Bren Whiskey. It's a single malt from France. Our sponsor this week is Cake POS from Cisco. Cake is a point-of-sale system that lets bar and restaurant owners and managers focus on the guest experience. Stop worrying about tracking every sale. Cake does that for you. You can automatically save information and review it later from anywhere. That means maybe as a manager or owner, you can actually take a couple of days off, which is pretty rare in this business. So no matter where you are, you can check up on the daily reports and know they'll be up to date. To get started with Cake, check out trycake.com slash bartender. For our Bartender Journey listeners, at that link, you can get $750 off the activation fee. That's that's a 75% discount. Go to trycake.com slash bartender and request a demo, or just go check it out on the web there. And here we are with the Bartender Journey podcast for episode number 276 with Kurt Maitland, who you may remember as on our episode number 188, where we talked with him about the Manhattan Whiskey Club. Kurt is back with his book, Drink the Ultimate Cocktail Book. And for those of you that don't know, um, I actually do personally know Kirk from the Manhattan Whiskey Club and the Whiskey Circuit. And I'll let Kirk give you a little bit in terms of his background. Um, Hello, again. Um, Let's think, what is my background? I started writing about whiskey probably five or six years ago, expanding that into other spirits the last few years currently run the Manhattan Whiskey Club, write for the Whiskey Reviewer, do some private tastings in New York City for the New York Adventure Club, and for my own brand, Whiskey Selections. And that's me in a nutshell as far as that stuff goes. Okay, so previously when we spoke to you, you were a contributor to the Single Malt Whiskey book. I think probably what a lot of people are thinking, if whiskey is your forte, then... How did you come up with a cocktail book about drinks and spirits? Like, where did that come from? It was, uh, it came up as a request. The publishers of the single malt book approached me and asked me if I could write a book about cocktails. And the thing is, while I've never worked in a bar and 
I don't, I never made a living making cocktails. I've certainly drank or have had a lot of cocktails in my time. And so the thought appealed to me as to how I could put together a book where it served multiple functions. One, it was good for an experienced cocktail person as well as somebody who was new to cocktails. It's, think of it like the joy of cooking, but for drinks. So as a reader, you can decide, I want to focus on vodka cocktails or gin cocktails, and there are sections for all of those things. You could read the book from beginning to end, or you can kind of jump around as you see fit. I also thought of it as something that was useful for like a party. Somebody comes to your house, you're having an event, you can kind of go through the book and it has drinks for all occasions. So whether it's holidays, birthday parties, um, you have wine options, gin options, pretty much every, most of the major spirits um, as a possibility and lots of drinks, including non-alcoholic drinks. So it's kind of a well-rounded uh, cocktail experience. Okay, so um, since you've mentioned this, it's specifically for people that could be advanced cocktail enthusiasts as well as people that are new to it. Um, for all of the listeners out there, we actually are doing similar to the Jim Meehan book, a duo review. And what that means is I, as a non-bartender, non-professional, um, am writing a review of the book as well as Benny Amin, who is a professional bartender and has already provided his review um, on the book, which will appear on our blog. Uh, so one of the things I do think that's interesting about this cocktail book, besides the fact that it is a massive 800-page book, um, definitely good for the shelf or the um, coffee table, is that you, you do actually pay homage to names in the industry and certain things that I think having seen cocktail books for the general consumer would normally be included in a book geared towards bartenders. I do feel that people that are beginning bartenders, there's things that you touch upon that I think are interesting. Um, so, for example, the importance of ice, mm -hmm. which isn't something that I've seen like highlighted. And you do have, I've seen interviews with different like head bartenders and beverage directors. So what was your thinking to include something like that? Because somebody that might have never thrown a cocktail party or they're new to the, the idea of being a home bartender, wouldn't have necessarily thought about the idea of the importance of ice, whereas somebody professionally in the industry um, clearly knows that that's an important part of the cocktail. Sure. Well, one, um, Zach Chiraga, who ran Lewis 649, my very first cocktail class, he talked about how important ice was and how you have to think of it like any other ingredient you're putting when you're making the drink. And if you don't get the right mix, if you don't get the right type of ice, if something's wrong with the ice, it ruins anything else you did. So basically, you know, you could turn your drink into garbage by accident because, you know, the glass is warm. You didn't get the right ice. You get ice that melts too fast and gets your drink watery. And so um, I was asked when I was working on the book, they had suggested that, like, you should write something about ice. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then I went through remembering what I learned from Zach, as well as my own experiences going to bars. And as far as the 
Q and A's with the different head bartenders. I felt it was an important thing to include because, as I said, I'm not a bartender. I've never actually worked at a bar. I've spent a lot of time there. I'm on one side of the um, table on a regular basis. And I felt that it would be so much better for a person with the book um, to kind of get an understanding of what are the bars thinking when they put together a menu? What are they thinking when they design a cocktail? And the cool thing I thought for the book was that we end up with essentially the same set of questions for bars around the world, and they all have different responses because it's tied to where they are. The bars in Argentina are different than the bar in Russia. The bars in San Francisco are different than the bars in Chicago. And I thought as a good overview or as a good, you know, and they also included recipes, which was great. Um, it was a good place for the person who's getting into cocktails or the experienced person to learn regardless of your skill level. Your personal skill level didn't affect what you could draw out of those interviews. Yeah, so I, I did think it was a nice touch that you mentioned that and you mentioned it in such a way that clearly somebody at home would not have access to professional ice or be able to carve something out of a block of ice. Um, but I also noticed that in uh, in the opening, you mentioned that when you chose the cocktails, you chose them specifically so that anybody could make them. And I think you mentioned something along the lines of you didn't want something that would be too complex or right. too, I don't know, showy or, or something. That I mean, I was of the, of the mindset that... Um, the cocktails, think of them as a base. So ideally for, let's say, a novice cocktail maker, you want the ingredients to be fairly accessible. You want the um, amount of ingredients to be reasonable. You know, it's like it's nothing for a pro to do a cocktail where it has seven ingredients. For your average person, maybe three or four is a good place to start for a cocktail. And obviously, as you get into it, you can always add to it. Like these are just the rough blueprints, essentially. But you can, you know, personalize and stylize the cocktails as you see fit using the ingredients that are here as a base. You might decide to use a different vodka or add one other thing to a common cocktail, something like the bee's knees, to make it to personalize it. So I kind of wanted the cocktails to cover the basics but also allow for experimentation by, you know, whoever happened to get the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I did see that actually you mentioned in terms of when people are on a budget, um, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I, I did try to go through as much of the book as I could, um, putting together, uh, what you should have as, as a set in terms of spirits that if you were on a budget and you had to choose between getting that really expensive vodka, versus the really expensive fill-in-the-blank, that vodka would actually be one of the places where if you need to cut the budget, you would cut the budget a little bit. Yeah, um, because vodka is, in some respects, more forgiving than other drinks. And even if you're not a pro in, or you have a preference, you know, low-end whiskey or low-end rum or gin... Um, they can certainly have more of an impact on your spirit than low-end vodka. You know, because uh, basically a basic vodka, 
vodka is not supposed to taste like anything unless you're dealing with it having already, you know, been flavored. So it's more to add something to the, to the overall cocktail of the drink. So it's less for me. Um, if I'm picking and I have, you have a hundred bucks, you're buying bottles. I'm like, maybe I, you know, skimp on the vodka bottle so I can beef up something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for most of um, the photos and so the cocktails, but uh, in terms of picking the specific bars and places, were those, did you pick them because you had personally been there or how did you end up picking like the specific? Some of them I picked because I've been there. Other ones, they had staff. I had either met at events um, or had had some dealings with. So I had an understanding of, you know, what they were doing or what they were adding to the cocktail scene. So, for example, the um, I have a bar that's in Belfast. And they do a bunch of stuff with shrubs, which I didn't know about when I reached out to them. But I happened to meet... Um, some of those guys at a world cocktail competition that Diageo ran in Ireland a few years ago. And one of them, actually, one of the guys who participated won the contest. And I got to taste his cocktail at the event. And I thought, like, hey, let's reach out to these guys because, you know, one, it's interesting. You don't get a lot of um, info or press from the bars that are in that aren't in Dublin. Mm -hmm. So let's get a bar in Belfast. And two, I'd actually tasted their work and could see what they did and the skills they brought to the table. So, so it was interesting to you to not just pick specific cocktails, but also the story behind it and being connected with them. Yes. Um, and, and also on that note, um, I unless it's probably a new thing. This is probably one of the few books I've seen that actually goes into uh, shrubs. And the way that you do like, the garnishes and things like that, there's like this pretty comprehensive yeah. section, at least for, I mean, and I say this as someone who's not a bartender, I'm pretty certain a um, majority of professional bartenders, especially in New York City, would, would know about that. Um, yeah, I learned about shrubs more from the research in the book. It's like the two, other than what I got back from the Q&As with the bars, the two things I probably learned the most about were shrubs and the uh, infusions. And those are the ones that really intrigued me because they were adding something new to my base of knowledge. And yeah, for a bartender, it's like, yeah, they're used for certain cocktails. I have a friend of mine I was talking to who's a really good cook and they also make cocktails and like for them it was nothing. But I'm like, yeah, it's not really in common parlance for like a civilian. And so I thought of something to bring to the table where one, it's useful to a professional but also it's something where if you're not a professional but you want to dabble, it's an interesting thing to add to your palette of colors, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, and, and then, so segueing into the infusions, you use them heavily um, a lot in the mocktail section mm -hmm. that, you, that you had. And then you, you said there was a specific reason why in terms of for mocktails for infusions that you highlight them? Yeah, I found the infusions, one, to be interesting on a personal level. I had a... A friend, a new friend who was coming to visit and I had another friend who didn't drink. And I have people over my house on a regular basis. I will normally be pouring whiskey or people will bring spirits and food. And I didn't want this person to feel left out. So I'm thinking I didn't want to just give them soda or here, have, you have water, the rest of us are drinking something. So it so happened I was actually working on the book 
and I had all these infusion recipes. I'm like, let me try two. So I think I did orange and mango, and I did lemon and blueberry. And what I found was that even people who were drinking liked the infusions as a way to have something else as a break from the drinking. I also thought that in, in regards to cocktails, you could use the infusions to do interesting things with a gin or a vodka where you could infuse um, those spirits with whatever the recipes were. So it could kind of do double duty. If you didn't want to drink anything at all, hey, here's a bunch of recipes for things you could make. But if you did want to drink or you wanted to experiment or you're a bartender wanted to have something to add to your cocktails, you could use these infusions and experiment with them and make other drinks. So, you know, I found it to be very interesting. And more so than, let's say, your standard non-alcoholic cocktails. I wasn't overly interested in those. My take, and it's a personal take, is that for most non-alcoholic cocktails, I'd rather just drink water. You know, I look at it like non-alcoholic beer. I don't like beer so much. I'd rather just drink soda or water or spirits. So I figured this was a way to kind of give the person with the book the option to find something else they wanted to drink and let it be for everybody, you know, because... The infusions are actually healthy. You could drink them every day. It doesn't involve any spirits, you know, unless you decide to add them. Yeah, I think you actually, uh, I forget the exact phrase you make that in, in terms of the way mocktails are, is, is, um, or it's possible I might have read this, uh, as I apologize, about how the importance of the taste of mocktails is because they stand alone. Mm -hmm. You can't hide them. Right. Like they're pretty much like yeah. the balance and the complexity are, are, are what they are. Um, and I did think it was interesting, which I, again, I, I'm pretty certain in other cocktail books is you have the section on beer cocktails. Mm -hmm. There seems to be, and I, I think this is the first time I've seen this. So being an owner of several of these, you have a flask cocktails section. So I, when I saw this, I was a little like, huh, this is, this is kind of an interesting, um, so what gave you the inspiration to do a section on flask cocktails? Well, when I was doing the research for the book, um, I came across other books or other materials that had flash cocktails in it, and I thought about it, and I thought that, you know what, that is something that's cool to add and to make the book more comprehensive. Um, flask cocktails can be a pain because obviously keeping your flask clean and putting different cocktails in there requires a certain level of cleaning of the flask for each time you do it. And that's hence, the, hence the section of flask materials and maintenance also included in the book. But it's like if you're a person, I have lots of people who like spirits but do not like spirits on their own. I, with my background, I like whiskey. I'm happy to drink rum on its own. Aged rum is great. Tequila, but not everybody is. And you know what? It's like if you decide you're going to a party and you want to share, having made a personal cocktail that you can pour a little bit off and share with your other party guests um, isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I thought it was, it gives you a certain amount of flexibility and it's a little bit, because the book's supposed to be fun. And so flasks are, are fun and being able to do a cocktail with it is also um, kind of in that vein. Yeah, no, I, I I have to admit that this is this is great to be able to flip through. You've got these great photos here. You've got you there. There's a lot of also. I'm geeky enough that you have a lot of random facts, not necessarily random facts, but facts in terms of 
the origins of the cocktails, which are expected, but also cultural references. And then I noticed in some of the chapter openers, you actually talked a little bit about how you came to be or this time that you were in Ireland, which I think makes it a little bit more personable. Yeah, I felt that um, with me not being a creator of cocktails under normal circumstances, I can make a cocktail, but... I'm not a, you know, I'm not a magician, and most of my cocktails that I drink, I drink at a bar. So I thought that including some of my personal experience with spirits, with cocktails, um, would add a personal touch, for lack of a better word, but also kind of give you, give the people reading it an insight into my experience with cocktails and my experience with drinks. Yeah, and and I did notice that you also give homage to um, several cocktail, other cocktail books in terms of when you were putting like the book together. And how long has this book been like? Was this book in the works for? Year, I believe I started it. I mean, maybe a little bit less than a year, but I started the book itself formally like late spring of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of. First step was to kind of compile the cocktails, mm-hmm. and that was perhaps in its own way was probably the easiest part because mm-hmm. essentially you're gonna like here. What do I like? The cocktails I had. What I want to add to yeah. this. Um, what are classics you need to have in a cocktail book? And it does have, and, and I noticed it does have your personal twist because you don't you don't like flavored whiskeys, right? Nope. And there's no uh, there's no fireball happening here. Right. Um, but I, I also did notice in, in some of the ones that you chose, uh, I think I was having a conversation with someone recently about the Long Island IC, um, and as opposed to that drink, which is on the one hand seems to be very popular in certain parts, but on the other hand is also reviled. It's like a very polarizing type of drink. You have the Long Island Express, mm-hmm. which is... Well, I think... And the book has my biases, so along with me trying to avoid flavored whiskeys, and if you like flavored whiskeys, so be it, feel free to drink them. And also, you can always use a flavored whiskey for some of the recipes that require whiskey. That's your call. But I found that with the um, one flavored whiskeys and two, I don't like cocktails that are too sweet. Some are included because I think you have to include them. They have to be part of a... Of a um, well, of a well-done cocktail book, there are certain cocktails that are expected. So there's some cocktails that I might drop the sugar down in. I might try to make it a little bit less sweet. But my own personal preference, I don't like really sugary, I'm going to give you diabetes cocktails. Mm-hmm. And Long Island iced teas kind of fall into that. But that's part of why they're popular. Yeah. You know, it's a sweetness. It's like people who don't like alcohol, here's a ton of alcohol. Yeah. But you can't necessarily taste it right away. And then you're hurt later and don't know what happened. So I tried to avoid some of those things or modify them or use recipes that were modifications of those, um, you know, within the book. Yeah. So, I mean, so uh, I'm assuming the juxtaposition of the outtakes here. So, for example, um, the Zen bartender, is that specifically put there because it's related to the bartender making the string? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. It wasn't a hundred percent clear, but I was so for anyone that you know will pick up this book, which I assume is everyone listening to the podcast. Um, there are outtakes where he discusses um, specific backgrounds about specific bartenders. So there is a Q and A, but there's also um, interesting outtakes from people throughout the industry. Yeah, I found that you know in doing it, there were some people because the you know 
my editor and the book's only done because of the editor. Um, my editor, uh, basically he was the one who kind of like, yeah, Kirk, you have to finish it up. It needs to be this. Cause I'd still be out there doing Q and A's and still talking to bartenders. Still trying to talk to as many people. You know, and it's, I needed somebody to say, okay, yeah, you're done. Or at least we need to have this much of it done so we can, you know, get out the press. So my editor, um, Buzz gets, you know, a big thank you for that. And so within it, there were parts that weren't full Q and A's. But were little vignettes or little um, episodes with people who were into trade, and so we kind of slipped them in where we could. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was just good to have them in there because I thought it was also important and add color because basically you're looking at the book, and it's I think eleven hundred, eleven hundred plus recipes. Yeah, eleven hundred. If plus it was recipes. only recipes, and I think they, I think you have photos for every single one, or almost. It just it seems like seems like a lot. I mean, lot. I don't think there's ones for everyone, but there's a decent amount of there's, photos. There's it's a very, definitely a decent amount of photos. It's a very book. photogenic book, and it's and it's got also. I, I noticed the uh, three book silken bookmarks, I guess, for Comes different areas. Exactly. Um, so, as someone who is not a professional bartender and who is really known more for whiskey, are you? A little nervous about the idea of putting it out there to, to see what the feedback is from industry, or I mean, I'd like to think the industry will see that I respect what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. I certainly doubt that it's what they do is harder than what I do. I mean, it's easy to pop open a bottle of whiskey, pick a bottle I like, and share it. To sit there and to make drinks and to share them with other people and to do it over and over again and modify them and you know and that's your living you know for me it's like a it's a task a bit beyond my skills so I have much respect for what they do hopefully they will read and see this book in that spirit and it might be that they don't necessarily need the book there might be other books that there would be a better starter for them or not a starter at all because they don't need a starter but I'd like to think, at the very least, they'd see that the book was done with uh, much respect for the profession. Okay. All right. And is there anything else you want us to know about the book before we... Um, let's think. I enjoyed writing it. Um, it's my first book, so be gentle. Um, and I'd like to think that anybody who picks it up, there will be something in the book for them. Um, whether it's certain recipes, whether it's the interviews... Uh, maybe it's the vignettes. Hopefully, you know, with 1,100 recipes, there are recipes in there that you find something new, even to a professional, or something that intrigues you, even if you're a novice, that makes the book worthwhile for you. Okay, great. And when does this book officially drop to the public? Uh, you can pre-order on Amazon as we speak. It will pre-drop or will drop on the 30th of April. So it's the last Tuesday of the month. Alright, so thank you her for taking time out to go over the book and your process and hopefully look forward to receiving um, our specific reviews on the, on the book. I'm looking right. forward to it. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Stand by for our toast. We'll do a toast at the very end of the podcast. But first, I'll tell you, my name's Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening to the Bartender Journey podcast. Please feel free to get in touch for any reason at all. You can email me directly at brian at bartenderjourney.net. Don't forget about our sponsor, Cake POS. Find our special link for our Bartender Journey listeners at trycake.com slash bartender. You can get $750 off the activation fee. That's a 75% discount. Go to trycake.com slash bartender. All right, here's our toast.
May you get it together before it all falls apart. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. We advocate the repeal of the 18th Amendment.